This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. Good afternoon, and welcome to Suite 212, a show which looks at the arts in the social, cultural and political contexts here on London's Resonance 104.4 FM. This programme is coming to you live and for free. If you like what you hear on Resonance, please do support us by setting up a regular donation. That's the best way to help us make long-term plans to maintain our community radio facilities and to support our many broadcasters. So please visit fundraiser.resonance.fm and set up a regular donation. I'm Tom Overton, and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined today by Czech photographer Marketa Lushka-Chova, <laughs> we've been talking about pronunciation, whose work is on show as part of a free spotlight exhibition at Tate Britain at the moment until 12th, the 12th of May, and has other exhibitions coming up at Bristol and Merseyside, which we'll hopefully discuss at the end of the show, uh, and as ever, provide links on the show's Twitter account at sweet underscore 212. And also, the works are available to see uh, in the Barbara Hepworth uh, Museum in Cornwall, uh, in St Ives, which we'll also discuss. Um, asked to write about Marketa's series of photographs of pilgrims in Slovakia in the 1980s, the artist and author John Berger was particularly struck by a photograph of a man sleeping against the trunk of a tree. He thought, and I quote, that Marketa had produced photos such as nobody had ever taken before. We see the photograph in all their intimacy, and they are not there, they are elsewhere with their neighbours, the dead, the unborn, the absent. For instance, her extraordinary photo of the sleeping man might be a companion piece to a poem by Rilke. You, neighbour God, if sometimes in the night I rouse you with loud knocking, I do so only because I seldom hear you breathe, and know you are alone. And should you need a drink, no one is there to reach it to you, groping in the dark. Always I hearken. Give me but a small sign. I am quite near. Between us there is but a narrow wall, and by sheer chance, for it would take merely a call from your lips or from mine to break it down, and that without a sound. The wall is builded of your images. End quote. To stop there, uh, John Berger continues, would be too resolved, too transcendental of the peasant experience with which Marketa Lushkachova in- interprets so faithfully. And indeed, we're not going to stop there. I'm going to uh, begin by saying thank you, Marketa, for joining us um, and asking, uh, before you began to work as a photographer, you studied uh, the sociology of culture at Charles University in Prague. Uh, what attracted you to that subject and what did you do your research on? It's a very much a question of somebody born in democracy and living in democracy. Sociology was in the 60s, felt that it was a remedy for making the society better. If you would understand the society, society could get better. Except in uh, communist Czechoslovakia, sociology was forbidden. It was called imperialist, uh, uh, bourgeois quasi-science. Imperialist <laughs> music was jazz called and <laughs> right. was not allowed. Um, and imperialist uh, uh, music or, or uh, bourgeois quasi-science or uh, abstract paintings... Mm. They all were forbidden on the beginning of the communist era, which was the dictatorship of the proletariat. Mm. And they basically banned all kinds of things which they did not understand. Also, homeopathy was banned. Mm. Also, one more thing. So, uh, news were not allowed to be published or exhibited because there was not made distinction between... Uh, news and pornography. Mm. Um, but sociology was not allowed. And um, in the 60s, suddenly, that was some 12, 15 years into the communist era, um, there, was a, there was a wave of a progressive movement in the country. Um, they were... On end, they, were, they got an, in history name Prague Spring, mm. which would be referring to the 
period spring 1968, mm. but really Prague Spring started much earlier, mm. in the uh, in early 60s. And uh, the movement were uh, calling for socialism with human face. Mm. And within the movement of socialism with human face, um, suddenly sociology was allowed. Mm. Uh, Jazz was allowed. Um, there was a wonderful jazz festival um, on which uh, the, the most famous jazzman, inclusive um, Armstrong. Which <laughs> We've just been listening to yes. in, in the studio. If you've yeah. been listening all the way through, you've also heard some Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Armstrong came and played for three. And it was wonderful because before that, jazz was played only in remote hay barns mm. or, or some cellars of remote houses because mm. it was against the law to listen imperialist. Never mind that it was music of slaves, black slaves. It was coming from America, yeah. and consequently, it was imperialist music. Yeah. So within, the, somehow, the progressive trend, suddenly sociology was uh, lectured, and uh, we were actually studying from... Polish university textbooks. Mm. I know passive Polish because mm. there were no, Poles were not as uh, strict. In, in, oh, th th there was more freedom in Poland, say it simply. Mm. Uh, so I didn't choose actually sociology. <laughs> it somehow happened. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, um, and uh, the, of course, there was a terrific euphoria, with the same uh, with, with the same pretext as uh, in the what could, you could call a Western world, yeah. where there was a great hope uh, given to sociology. But uh, so we started to study. It. I managed to, to to get the department, but. Very quickly, I realized that being at a centrally governed uh, uh, state, uh, the research would be quantitative, mm. which would involve statistics, mm. you know. And uh, I, I didn't like statistics, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it's sort of a little, a tiny little uh, the, the, the event happened. We were doing a field exercise, aim of which was uh, to assess the cultural awareness of uh, citizens of some small uh, village close to Prague. Mm. Each of us was having uh, 10 people to fill the questionnaire. And uh, one of the 10 people I was... Uh, questioning was a young girl, a factory worker, and um, I was shown part of the part of the the research or part of the questionnaire was a um, set of postcards, cage birthday card, 19th century landscape, mm. a portrait, also one modern painting, Chagall postcard. Mm. And you you show it to, the, the or I show it to that girl, to, to, to the other nine people. And uh, she was meant to say she liked it very much. She didn't like it, or so, so mm. she disliked it. And, uh, and I would make statistics out of it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and she looked at the postcards for very long time, and um, and she looked so amused, and, and then she threw her head back and laughed, and she said, "I like them all," <laughs> <laughs> and she was so beautiful, you, you, you know. And I suddenly felt to hell with all this research. The most <laughs> precious things would be. The picture of her. <laughs> that was the first time I thought of photography, oh, wow. you know. And uh, and then slowly I started to think of um, wouldn't photography be better for me than 
than uh, sociology. And uh, and I even wanted to develop the sociology. And, uh, but uh, then I decided to combine it. To, mm. uh, actually, I had a very good friend who was a lecturer of empirical sociology. And when I came with the idea that I would leave the school, he explained to me the practicality of it. Mm. In a communist country, I would not be allowed to study something else. Mm. And uh, in communist country, I would have to be employed within six weeks. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I would be labeled a social parasite and Mm. prosecuted and mm. if I would be employed uh, within six weeks and would have a two weeks of holidays a year I would uh, not be able to photograph anyway mm. or only on my holidays mm. you know and I would be less paid uh, than I would be if I would have a university degree and all of that mm. so he persuaded me to stay at the university and uh, he thought it would be wonderful if the researchers would be uh, would be accompanied by the photographer, mm. you know. Um, and more so, I, that, uh, quite by accident, I was as a, at the university holidays. I was uh, hitchhiking in Slovakia, mm. and I encountered pilgrims. Mm. This was 1963. Only later I learned that in 1963 it was for the first time when they dared to go on the road. Mm. Before that they would be going through the woods mm. and in the woods they would be singing and praying, making a cross with the two, uh, two, uh, two branches mm. and leaving the cross on the end of the woods and on the on the road, they would be walking like tourists, mm. without any uh, any symbols of them being pilgrims. But suddenly, in '63, from the window of a car, I saw a group of people carrying the cross, singing, praying, and uh, this was uh, absolute epiphany, mm. because in. Uh, in the western part, where I came from, in Bohemia, this was in Slovakia, mm. in Bohemia, the people were saying we are not allowed to practice. Of course, the churches uh, were functioning, some people were in it, but uh, to walk and pray and sing uh, the religious songs, uh, and I suddenly thought, uh, I wanted people to know about mm. this. You know. It was so much in contrary to the Marxist ideology uh, and to all what was happening in the country that I wanted to. And I next year I, I came with the camera mm. and started to photograph. And after three years of photographing it, my tutor suggested, why not I write some text with the photographs and he let me to, as a thesis, oh, and he yeah. would let me to finish. He knew that I would be a photographer. The, the, it, it was a quite well, uh, not really by me, but planned career by my tutor, who thought by the time I was graduating, I was already studying photography, because last year was only for writing the thesis. Mm. Uh, th so I was having a time on my on my palms, and I started to study photography. Mm. And uh, on the Academy of Science, there was a department of uh, sociology open. Mm. And he thought that I would be the only one who would have a degree in sociology and uh, an education in photography. Mm. And I could be a photographer on Academy of Science. Mm. Very fine career, but 1968 came, the, 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 the sort of aftermath of uh, the Prague Spring, mm. when all the Czech hopes for socialism with human face were. It was a very short slot in which I could graduate 
on the theme of religion, really. Mm. Um, it, so 67, 66, 67, by 1970, Definitely not 71, it would not be absolutely possible, and definitely not before 66. You know. mm. It was a bit of luck for that I could photograph it. Even then, it was not uh, completely simple, really. Um, I was ever so often stopped by police. Yeah. But uh, I, would, uh, I would be, uh, by then, already working as a student help to scientists on the Academy of Science, which the Academy would get some students in who they perhaps would contemplate to employ afterwards, yeah. to know them, yeah. and to just, so I would have this, uh, this somehow official uh, official uh, reason to, to photograph it. Usually people say that I took pictures uh, for my thesis, but mm. the pictures were three years earlier, mm. and I wrote a very modest text. It was called Some Notes About. <laughs> but when you were taking the, f uh, the, the photographs of, so there was the first year when you were, you were just with, with the pilgrims, and the second year when you began photographing them, if there was a sense that this was a, a, sl an, a legal thing, an illicit, act they were doing in sort of um, carrying the crosses <coughs> out in um, in public, you must have had to have gained their trust as a, someone with a photographer that you weren't... Well, I walk with them the pilgrimage. Mm. I stay with them at night. Mm. <coughs> and on the beginning, I photograph them year after they for the first time there to go public. The pilgrimage places itself were very far uh, remote places in the mountains, mm. small chapels or a church, more likely chapel. <coughs> so they were not that much uh, in center of attention. Mm. It was, uh, but uh, the, the walk to, to the place uh, was something which was new that we're doing it publicly, you mm. know. But even then, uh, the, the, in my childhood, uh, the monasteries were raided at night by police. Mm. The monks were arrested. The, the priests were arrested. They, they were spending their prison sentence uh, in Uranian mines, which destroyed mm. their health. Um, people who were practicing religion were directly, indirectly persecuted. Uh, everybody in a country had a right to work, mm. but uh, that would mean that some of the pilgrims who would have a university education would work as an unskilled worker, mm. because that was the only work available for them. Mm. Their children could not have a secondary education, uh, the only the basic one, because again, they were labeled as a, um, undesirable backwards elements. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, so the, and for me, it was of course about belief and, and but uh, also about the integrity of people, mm. you know. Uh, and that was what was the major, the pictures were political. Yeah. But when they came here, I could not say it. When yeah. they were at v &A, uh, some photographic magazine wrote, behold how low v can fell, uh, showing the East European peasants on their knees. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> um, well uh, listeners can can see how wrong that is by uh, by some of those those works are on show at, at Tate at the moment. Uh, but um, that was the they went to the the. the Exhibition moved to the V&A in, in the 1980s, I think. So we, we've skipped ahead a bit. The um, so b between uh, the 1960s and the 1980s, uh, and after the sort of like the, the short moment of uh, the Prague Spring, um, 
as you said, uh, things um, clamped down f further in, in Czechoslovakia. And, and how did you end up moving to London? I was photographing uh, the, 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 in the theatre behind, the, uh, or beyond, they actually translated, beyond the gate, which was the best park theatre. And uh, as the aftermath of the of the Soviet invasion, they, they somewhat were, were producing some some leaflets against the, the invasion and all. Uh, they were going to be closed, uh, mm. and uh, it took quite a while. Uh, they they were expecting it any minute, but the minute lasted for two years, mm. and in those two years. Uh, the the director of the theatre, Ottomar Krejčar, um, rehearsed uh, Sophocles' uh, Antigone Oedipus, which uh, mm. Bertolt Brecht uh, um, was. It was last performance of Bertolt Brecht in Berlin, mm. and that way Krejčar wanted to bring a parallel between uh, Prague in. Uh, 68. <laughs> uh, Phone in the studio. <laughs> and, uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, and uh, 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 Berlin, uh, Berlin in Fertis. Mm. Um, and with for, it was expected that actually the communists would be terribly offended by the parallel mm. and uh, they would close it after the first performance. Mm. And the director asked me to exhibit in a foyer, this was 1971, mm. to exhibit pilgrims, which he knew, to bring again somehow parallel between pilgrims and Antigone. Yeah. You know, Antigone um, burying the, the, the brother Although it was forbidden yeah. uh, by the governor of Thieb, you know. Mm. And uh, he was saying, nothing can save me, but you are young. Mm. You must know that it could be a big trouble for you. Mm. But at that time, I could not exhibit anywhere the pictures. Mm. No official gallery with the censorship would be uh, would be able to exhibit me. Mm. But foyer was not having a, was only a foyer, mm. so I exhibit the pictures there. And one year later, the theatre was closed. Mm. You know, and uh, and two things happened. One was I was not getting any work. Mm. I was part of the theatre which was closed for political reason, and people rightly or wrongly, but uh, I was not getting any any work. You mm. know. And uh, another thing what happened was in 1971, I married a, a writer who whose book was translated into Czech. Mm. He was uh, he was uh, Jewish from the group of uh, uh, people in Prague speaking German, like yeah. Kafka and Max Brod. And uh, as a child, he left, or his family sent him uh, 1939. Uh, he was one of the, in history of Holocaust, it's known, 100 children were taken to Britain. Mm. Uh, the, the, already when Nazis were in Prague, mm. really. And he was one of the children. And for the first time, he returned in 1968, mm. when his book was uh, prepared by the publishing house there. And uh, and he was suddenly at home there. Mm. And in '68, '69, still we started to live together. And in '69, still, still was a good place. Mm. You know, things. It, it was after the invasion. Things were difficult, but it was getting darker and tighter and tighter. Mm. 
and uh, he he was a friend with the people in the in the theater and uh, one way or the other he started to and we got married in mm. 1971 I should say mm. and but but plan was to live in Prague mm. um he was coming back not me coming out you mm. know except he started to be scared in Prague mm. when uh, particularly around the time the theater was closed you mm. know by that time the, the literary magazine was closed uh, for which he was contributing mm. and all kind of things starting to be wrong and after all uh, he learned very early on that uh, who left the country he would uh, he saved himself mm. themselves and so on and instead of he coming back home I I ended up ended up the what yeah. we call outside you know yeah. and because uh, he was a british citizen I got a british passport and and uh, unfortunately the relationship I, I I still believe that it was a strong relationship we would live the, together till death would part us but here it did not work yeah you know so uh, but I ended up here so in Britain. Luckily, I like England, <laughs> so it was not a tragedy. <laughs> so it, it comes across in, 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 in your photographs. Uh, you're listening to Sweet 212 on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Tom Overton. I'm talking to the photographer Marketa Lushkakova. Um, you were just talking about uh, arriving here in London, uh, and one of the, the, the themes uh, photographically which are drawn on in the exhibition which is currently on at Tate Britain is um, the street musicians and markets of East London. Um, actually, it's not always East London, is it? But um, It is mainly. Mainly East, East London. London. But um, how did... Uh, how did you... What drew you to that as a subject? How did that begin as a fascination? Well, it, it began very simply that I was uh, newly arriving to Britain and market was the cheapest source of food and goods. Mm. So I was going there to shop, you know. Mm. But at the same time, markets were not allowed. In, they didn't exist, or allowed or not allowed. Mm. They, they did not exist. Mm. So it was something also uh, very new to me, mm. you know. And in in uh, Czechoslovakia, communist Czechoslovakia, all the goods were the same from from uh, west to to, to east. Mm. Uh, uh, prices were everywhere the same. Um, uh, even the shelves were mm. the same. And uh, so it, 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 there was it was an enchantment to start with. Mm. Really, you know, I. I like the markets. I like the hustle bustle. I like the. F it is such a theater, uh, mm. on the base almost a ritual. Uh, you, you know the buying and selling and the absurdity of it. That the, uh, on one hand people want to sell as expensive as possible. On another hand, people need to buy as cheap as possible. And both the selling and and buying are generally poor. You know, yeah. And it has to it has to somewhat be combined and. Uh, and all together, I, I, I think I fell in love with markets yeah. to start with, you know. And uh, and uh, the, the musician, well, the street music is a soundtrack of markets, isn't mm. it? You know. And uh, yeah, the, the, the later on, not later on, quite quite um, shortly after I arrived, I became pregnant. Mm. And, uh, and then again, uh, the, the 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 I needed to to get the basic things and get them as cheap as possible. And uh, but also I I got to know the market traders. Mm. You know, and and mm, one of the traders uh, at some point uh, when when he saw me there again and again with the camera. He, he said, uh, do you realize that uh, what you are photographing would not exist in 10 years' time? Mm. 
And uh, that the, he explained to me that the, the land uh, uh, on the eastern markets is owned by city. Mm. And he was saying, where now are markets sprawling, there would be high rise of his blocks. Mm. And uh, that, of course, gave me kind of responsibility, mm. you know. And, um, and basically, it got me in line with uh, what I photographed uh, back in my country, where the pilgrims, where I, uh, I mm. and many other people did not even knew it existed. Mm. And it was something quite frail and questionable for how long it would exist mm. under the pressure of the, of the government. And I also photographed in a mountain village, Shumiats, mm. which would be one of the small number of villages in the country still farmed uh, privately because it was so poor that it was not uh, viable for the government to, mm. uh, to collectivize them or nationalize them. Mm. And, uh, and consequently, I, uh, I met these mountain villages at the pilgrimages. Uh, mm. um, and they would be a very distinct group of people because they would still wear traditional clothes, uh, held hand-woven, hand-embroidered. And, uh, and I thought the days of their way of life was numbered mm. and it would be good to make a record of their way of life, mm. which would be peasant, Christian, Christian peasant way mm. of life, um, uh, undisturbed uh, or only marginally uh, for centuries, really. Mm. But it was clear, I knew from Prague that uh, there was a plan to make a hundred percent of collectivization in 1974 mm. for ideological reasons. Uh, so and uh, so in 1967, I photographed the the villages. So suddenly, it was actually the markets became in in line with or you know, connected yeah. with uh, with uh, a kind of threat photographing. Oh, that's the uh, great power of photography <laughs> that through it, uh, people and things are remembered. Yeah. yeah, you know, John Berger spoke about it in length. Uh, I uh, did not know all the writings by, by John, but yeah. some of it I did. But, uh, yeah. And um, so suddenly I, I made the markets uh, my theme. It was not only enchanted uh, uh, observations uh, or uh, side uh, sideline to shopping. If you are a photographer, you also take pictures. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, well, well, that's um, a good, maybe a good moment to because the you just used the phrase there to remember, which was the title of uh, one of your collections, the, the book of um, of the street street photographers, which for which. Um, which features a, a, a little short letter from John Berger, um, which maybe I, I, I could read as a sort of a, as a, an illustration to maybe um, contribute to that and, and maybe kind of direct listeners back to look at the photographs. But um, uh, John Berger wrote, Dear Marquetta, 15 years of watching, listening and responding in the streets of London. This is the... Um, <laughs> and you have to imagine the photograph here we'll post it on we'll post it on the internet so you can see it which for, which for me frames your theme of street musicians and it takes me back 80 years to my childhood in the 1930s when I was disturbed and spellbound by street musicians I passed and stopped to listen and to watch the word play had a double sense for me they played instruments or they sang in the street in the hope of getting money survival money from the passers-by and I played games in order to escape and to feel that I was elsewhere in this double sense of the word play, there was a shared conspiracy, the hope that despite everything, the playing might provoke even furtively a little fun. The pitilessness of the word was clear, and they were living through a jinx, and so they played with the absurd order in order to catch a tune or a laugh. If they did, it was a momentary triumph, jinx and triumph. The hunger, the homelessness, the recurring despair remain, but some coins fall into the cap. 
What they produce is the opposite of chamber music. What they produce is gutter music. But within it, there are winks and nudges reminiscent, reminiscent of the philosophers of antiquity. Listening to chamber music, we often close our, close our eyes. Coming across gutter music, we stop in our steps and try to catch the player's eyes. And that, Marquetta, is what you have done in your unique book about jinxes and triumphs. How, how did you first get in touch with John Berger? What was the John got in touch with me. Yeah. Uh, when the, the, the show uh, of pilgrims was uh, at V&A, I suddenly got a phone call by John Berger. Yeah. That was a grand thing, yeah. <laughs> because by then I, I read his uh, books and I even had his books yeah. and uh, and it was great admirer of John. And suddenly there was a John Berger on the phone, <laughs> telling me that he very much liked my my pictures at VNA, and um, I managed to tell him there's no single review except mm. of the, which I read later on, the, the one saying, behold, <laughs> <laughs> East European on, on their knees. Uh, um, the, 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 at the same time as my, uh, my uh, small photography exhibition at Vienna, there was a large show of wallpaper Mm. And all the newspapers and magazines were reviewing the wallpaper show, and and on the, uh, it was always one. They were copying each other. They would write different things about wallpaper, each of the the the, the art critic. But they would end the wallpaper review piece on wallpaper uh, uh, exhibition, saying, and when at VNA and some, uh, somebody writing, you must see haunting pictures, and that was my picture, or haunting photographs, or <laughs> haunting exhibition. <laughs> so I was saying to John, John, the, the only things people have to say is that the pictures are haunting. <laughs> and he said, Marketa, it would be remedied. And um, the last week of the exhibition in New Society appeared, um, large review and uh, pictures were reproduced, uh, not by John. Uh, mm. He asked Peter Fuller mm. to to review it. Mm. Uh, um, <laughs> and well, then we were sort of uh, once a year, perhaps uh, every two years, a letter was exchanged, yeah. and he was very generous, inviting me if there was an event uh, yeah. about him or with him, he would invite me. Yeah. There's such, there's such a sort of fellow feeling between, between your work. It, it makes it, a lot of sense. Um, the, ne the next, the other sort of theme of the, the show at Tate, um, I don't want to dwell too much on that, but it's sort of a scaffolding that we can kind of, we can, we can go through and then we can, we can move on from it. Um, but is the, the series of, of photographs you made uh, at the seaside in North Shields, South Shields, uh, Redcar, and some in, in Whitley Bay. Um, there's all sorts of stories around that. Let's start with how did that come about? How did you find yourself at the seaside photographing? I was invited by the Amber Film and Photography Group in Newcastle, who were also having side gallery within the in their buildings, and that year they decided that they would like some foreign photographers to come for the summer and photograph in Northeast, mm. and they managed to get some money from the Northern Arts. Mm. And uh, invited was uh, Paul Caponi Gros from the States, mm. Cartier Bresson, Martin Frank, his mm. wife, and uh, I was actually a little bit really posing as a foreigner because by then I lived in Britain. <laughs> but I was there as a Czech photographer, which after all, I was always you know, uh, presenting myself as a Czech living in Britain. Mm. And also Sirka Lisa Kontinen, who even belonged to the group um, Amber, but she was there for Finnish because she mm. came from Finland. Mm. So there were f three, four photographers photographing. And 
Scythe, uh, uh, very very uh, left, uh, left group of uh, uh, artists, and uh, they gave me complete freedom to choose what I want to photograph. Mm. But I always think if it could be within the working class culture. Mm. And uh, well, by that time I was having a one-year-old baby, mm. which I knew I would have to take with me taking the pictures. Mm. So um, the seaside seemed to be a situation in which I could cope, you know. Mm. And uh, I remember in the village, the the farm women would be packing the baby, the food, the nappies going to the field. and. Mm. So I thought if they manage, I'll manage too. <laughs> and I'll already photograph uh, the street musician by pushing the pram through the streets uh, mm. of uh, of London. Mm. So I thought, uh, well, I w could do it in, in, in Newcastle. Little I knew that the wheels of the pushchair would not uh, move <laughs> in a, on the sand. You know? <laughs> so I, I came to the sand and the pushchair was <laughs> not moving anymore. And uh, so what to do, you know, and the, 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 the baby, you know, I was trying to think uh, what to do. I realized he was too heavy to carry him Mm. and take pictures, you know, and and he became restless, so I let him go off the pushchair on the sand, mm. you know. And he was a perfectly sociable baby, and mm. he crawled to the nearest family. The children, the other children are wonderful magnet for, <laughs> for, for, for babies, you know, and there he was. And uh, then I look at him between the other children and mothers, Mm. You know, I thought it was perfectly safe situation. Mm. You know. So I approached the mother and I asked, could she look after the baby for some 10, 15 minutes mm. while I walk up and down the beach with the camera? Mm. And she said, yes. Mm. And um, well, I came 15 minutes later, the baby was fine. So I asked, could I go away for another 15 minutes? Yeah. And she said, it's fine. You know? And it was actually, um, I made it a method of working. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the amazing things about the, uh, the Northeast people are generous in North mm. up there, and particularly the women. In seven weeks, I was photographing the, the, the beaches mm. every day. I have done the same. I let the baby to to on this. I I became a little bit more actually uh, crafty, that I would carry the baby, and walk the beach, and find the nicest group of people. You know what I thought was the nicest group, and I let the baby on the sand, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the baby would crawl to the family. <laughs> Um, and uh, when the baby was um, uh, kind of settled with the family a few minutes later, I asked mother if she could look after him. And, um, uh, well, it was the only way, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, how I could do it. And in some way, perhaps it was... Uh, good for the photography because I, I wasn't a warrior. Yeah. You know, I was one of the moms, nappies, bottles, uh, you know, mm. and uh, and uh, I could become more intimate with the people. Mm. For me, the whole seaside uh, work was uh, in one side Czechs don't have a sea, mm. and sea is amazingly attractive for the continental uh, mm. the people who don't have a sea. So in one side, I was absolutely taken by the vastness and the mm. beauty of the sea, and the other half of it, and that way I think I comply to the uh, the, 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 the brief mm. uh, 
Amber gave me to photograph working class because it was almost 100% mm. pure, uh, in sociological terms, uh, pure sample. Uh, mm. the, 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 uh, Middle class and rich people in the summer would go to some places uh, where uh, the weather was good. You know, mm. that was that is a Newcastle joke. <laughs> what did you do last summer? <laughs> then the answer is that day I went to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, uh, they were the mainly working class families, and uh, having a small child. It was a great theme for me, and uh, it is less on a beach. The, 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 all the pictures are about the family, about the children. Well, in some of them, wonderfully, you can see that the families are looking just off off camera to, to Matthew, are kind of smiling at him. Or kind of yes, <laughs> it is not that good picture, but I have a great difficulties to throw him out <laughs> because <laughs> it is um, somewhat illustrating for me what was happening. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm terribly grateful for all the women who have done it, looking after my son. And I think it was good for him, too, that he learned early on that all people are friends, Mm. you know. He had never, never any doubt to leave me. He crawled to them. Well, that moves us on quite nicely to... One of my other questions, which was about kind of what areas of your work maybe aren't covered by the exhibition at Tate. Like you talked earlier on about, and by areas I kind of mean themes. And obviously, as you've as you've been talking, we, we've all heard about how actually really they all tend to flow into each other. And the theatricality of the photos you're making in Prague with the theatricality of the street markets. But theatre is kind of one of one of your themes too. But also another one, you've, you've taken lots of photographs of sort of very broadly in the sort of schools, like uh, in Durham and um, in sort of different situations. So would you like to say something about those those two themes and kind of like... There was an exhibition uh, on... Uh, the, the children and I photograph almost all... I, I think it's a very woman's theme, you know, and also... For a photographer, the childhood is changing so quickly, and mm. I think so. Again, the 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 one of the role of photography to remember mm. is very much uh, in a vogue for photographing children. Mm. And uh, the first time I pho- uh, photographed children in uh, in Slovakia, really, I was mm. a young woman. I was thinking, I was newly married. Mm. I was thinking of family. And also all my themes, inclusive markets, the children are there. Mm. And uh, at some point, uh, I won actually a first prize in GLC competition, um, uh, which was a portrait of London. Mm. And uh, and I submitted pictures of children. Mm. I learned about... Uh, the competition the day before <laughs> and I was working whole night on the morning my son came to the kitchen and I was saying be very good I was all night working because there is this competition today is the last day and uh, uh, and uh, th- th- hopefully I'll win some prize somebody called me saying uh, uh, you, you, there is not that many photographers who photograph in London mm. try it and my seven, you know how seven years can be terribly wise. He was saying, my poor mummy, he was <laughs> saying, all those famous photographers who are, uh, who are um, uh, sending the work for the competition, how do you think you would win? <laughs> and, um, I was saying, shush, you need a bunk bed. And third prize would be a bunk bed. (laughs) And um, so he went to school. And uh, and I learned that I won the first prize. So I ran to the school. And I was saying, guess what happened? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he looked at me and he said, well, then there would be a prize money also for the chair, which is turning up and, uh, up and down and out. <laughs> Not well down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and uh, well, that somewhat started uh, people knowing about my ch photography of children. Mm. And uh, so I was getting commissions, like mm. commission from Channel 4 to photograph first year at school of 20 children, which they made as a subject of their documentary, filming them from the birth till the age of, it was called Citizen 2000. Mm. They were meant to be 18, in uh, year 2000. And uh, Channel 4 somehow organized for me that I could photograph in all those 20 schools. And uh, the pictures uh, were exhibited in Museum of Childhood. Mm. Um, and that slowly, slowly was building up. Um, and uh, I have a very large body of work on children mm. exhibited. It was in 98 in, uh, in Sydney. And uh, mm. it was also exhibited in Liverpool in Open Eye. Mm. And uh, the Guardian wrote... Uh, if you think that kind of photography is dead, meaning documentary photography, mm. then go and see the show. Mm. So that was a positive kind of remark. But um, basically there's nobody interested. And I kept photographing children ever since. Uh, there was a, uh, I made a series in 2000 on the Choristers School mm. in Durham. Mm. Basically it is a child's labor. Mm. You know, well, uh, uh, and uh, I was very, very, very touched by 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 the boys and and their way of life. Uh, but there's no, nobody. I was trying to get a book or show. Um, you know, the the the, the that whole enormous uh, body of work. It is even mounted because it came from Sydney mounted. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's one thing. And now recently, since the democracy returned to my country, I started to photograph carnivals there. Mm. That's another, yeah. another that uh, body of work. But, uh, yeah. Brings together those themes quite nicely. Well, the, originally I started carnivals that year. The, my first year photographing the carnival was the year I was exhibiting in Sydney. And mm. it was winter, I was in Prague, and I already had some pictures of children in masks. Mm. And for me, it was quite interesting what it does to child having <laughs> a mask. And um, and uh, so I was in, in my country, or in Prague, really, in, um, in the winter, I thought I would... Uh, see if I could uh, do something about the carnivals. Carnivals, again, were not allowed during the communism. Mm. Um, basically, carnivals always stopped when there was a bad time in a country. Mm. They stopped First World War. They stopped first thing Nazi have, Nazis when they moved and occupied uh, Czechoslovakia. Carnivals were stopped. Mm. Uh, there was a well, one way or the other, when uh, when they started in uh, after the democracy returned to the country, when they started again in slowly in nineties, mm. uh, I thought it was a wonderful thing. Uh, you, you know, it was. Uh, I, I think that way they were kind of a celebration. They could do it, mm. but also uh, kind of. Uh, remembering their identity, you, mm. you know, the custom of their ancestors, you mm. know, and uh, and there were other, other reasons for which I thought, I also thought it would not last long, mm. you know, but uh, I was very wrong in this one. <laughs> the Carlos are, it's clear that people need this going together, yeah. you know, more, I, I thought the capitalism there, would stop them, you, you know, with, with this. Uh, and no, no, the, the, when I, the, the carnival I'm photographing, the first couple of years I photograph about 40 different carnivals. But then I realized uh, it was a which uh, uh, it worked for me. And when, when I photographed it first time, there were 50 people, mm. or perhaps 
only fighter next year to have a hundred. And now there are several thousands. It's terribly difficult for a photographer, but I still go for <laughs> this year. Yeah. Well, that's, um, a, that's a really nice uh, um, way of moving from having been talking a lot about uh, about sort of the pa the past, really, I suppose, and it kind of looks forward to um, you know the carnival continuing to grow, and is maybe in the last five minutes uh, a good point to look at all of the, the various other exciting kind of exhibitions and projects which are coming up um, related to your work uh, this year, um, because as I said, there's the the, the Tate show which is on until uh, the 19th of May. There is also some of Marquetta's work at um, the Barbara Hepworth Museum in St Ives. But also uh, there's a, a publication, an exhibition, um, which is being brought together by the Martin Parr Foundation in Bristol, I think. It is, uh, it, there hopefully will be a book on the end of the summer yeah. on my seaside pictures from 1978. So yeah. to call it a new work, it will be a new <laughs> book, but <laughs> of old work. Yeah. I'm terribly happy that it would yeah. get a book for him. And uh, and uh, Martin Parr Foundation uh, kindly it uh, it will be published by R uh, R Books, which is uh, a publisher in in Bristol, mm. and uh, and Martin Parr would do a launch of the book in September of this year. Mm. Uh, yeah, because the Martin Parr Foundation is a. a interest really it's quite it's very new i think it's it is it, yeah, yeah. They, they 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 open not long ago yeah, yeah. founded yeah. by the photographer and sort of looks after photographers archives and uh sort of puts on exhibitions and and uh yeah i think it's a very good thing that yeah. it happened and and uh yeah amazing that martin managed yeah yeah. yeah. And also in Merseyside at the Williamson Gallery uh, in autumn, I think, uh, Marquette's photographs are going to be um, part of the Look uh, Biennale Biennial. Um, and I think that was a show that's, is it currently in China? Uh, no, it was in some festival, in this, in photography festival in China. Mm. And I was very pleased to mm. be invited with the, to, to do a British uh, British show to be invited to be between the British photographers. <laughs> they are they, they, they are generous to me. Yeah, <laughs> they, there was a one moment when uh, when uh, the the photography museum was uh, organizing. This is goes very long back. Mm. Was organizing a, a show of British photography and. Uh, s some photographer was saying, prepare yourself for it. They would approach you. You are on a list of people. Mm. So I prepared, uh, uh, I think I was even advised how many pictures probably they would want. Um, the, the, my son was little, so sometimes uh, it was good to, to, to have it ready because uh, it sometimes it could be difficult to. And then uh, a year later, I, I met the photographer and I was saying, when will be the show? And mm. he said, oops, it it been. And uh, it has been. And, uh, and somebody asked the, the director and he's, he's saying she has a British passport. Mm. And uh, he said, that doesn't make a British photographer, which was scary. Mm. Uh, but um, that was uh, very much an exception. Yes, the British photographers and well, uh, good, good to me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And, uh, it's, I think we were saying before. It's uh, sometimes you felt uh, when when in Prague that you're a British photographer. You know, you're you're Marquetta from London, and and when in London you're you're you know, Marquetta, the Czech photographer. <laughs> yes, it is um, the dichotomy <laughs> to say yes. Uh, um. Well, thank you so much for for coming in and, and talking to me. It's been it's been, it's been wonderful. It's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, we, so go and see one of those exhibitions now. Uh, you know, get hold of um, get hold of Marquetta's books, uh, and we'll tweet out lots of uh, pictures of uh, um, links to where you can find uh, Marquetta's work um, on the Sweet Two One Two Twitter account um, at Sweet underscore Two One Two. I've been Tom Overton. Uh, I've been joined by 
Marquette at Lushkikova. Uh, and I think next week, Juliet back. I can't off the top of my head remember <laughs> precisely what she's talking about, but I'm sure it will be splendid and you should, you should tune in. Uh, and just one final plug for the uh, Resonance FM fundraiser. Uh, fundraiser.resonance.fm enable us to keep on making programs like this uh, because it's coming to you free, of course, uh, however you're listening to it, whether you're listening to it on SoundCloud or on uh, any of the other internet available things or indeed live it would not be possible because uh, they need to raise a hundred thousand uh, pounds between the first and the 10th of february oh boy this program has been brought to you by resonance 104.4 fm if you liked what you heard and want to support our work please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm